Hi, and welcome to the John Rogers Talk Show. It's a quarter past 4 p.m., Monday the 29th of January 2024. I'm just heading out uh, for a walk with Bonnie Dog on a glorious late January um, evening. We're... uh, a month and more. Um, we're well over a month past the shortest day of the year. And I'm starting to notice a stretch in the evenings. I notice that it doesn't take so long for it to get bright in the morning after I get up. Um, it was still dark when I sat down at my desk this morning, but not for the long and Thursday is Bridges Day in the start of spring I'm going to do a bit of research because I've never fully understood the way we were taught or I I was taught anyway the way I was taught um I get distracted watching my kids play in the field. That's a great, glorious day. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Yeah, the way we were taught how the seasons worked in school, or the way I remember being taught, was that spring was February, March, April. Summer was May, June, July. Autumn was August, September, October and winter is November, December, January. I always thought that was out by a month. I always felt that December, January, and February should be considered winter, and spring should be March, April, and May and summer should be June, July, and August, and autumn should be September, October, November. But then you learn a little bit about, a bit more about flowers budding uh, in late January and then into February. And you understand why, I think it's partly to do with soil temperature, why February is deemed spring. So maybe it's that our seasons here in Ireland... And of course, everything is up in the air at the moment with climate change. But at our seasons, were never quite exact. As in, they weren't always three months each. That some seasons are a little longer than others. Certainly, often, over the years, the summer in Ireland would be as short as a couple of nice days. Maybe in... Uh, in August or often our summer would hit um, just in time for kids back at school that sort of thing but anyway and also in a way of course these things aren't um, they don't stop from one to another you don't in the midnight of the 31st of January stops into the morning of 
the first of February. It doesn't suddenly go from click from winter into spring. It's the turning of the of the seasons, the turning of the cycle, and it's that transition. It's actually most interesting. I get that. In fact, in theatre, especially in devised theatre, but not just devised theatre, script-based theatre, I often found over the years that in putting a show together, often it's in the transition from one scene into the other, wherein you actually find the piece, the true line of the piece you're working on. I love transitions. I love thinking them through when I'm making a piece of theatre. So, I've gone high wire again today for this talk show in that I'm not quite sure what I want to talk about yet. So, we'll walk down to the Turlock. That's where we're heading now. The sun is... is uh, See if I can do this with a plan of myself. Is uh, two fingers above the horizon. So that's a couple of degrees, isn't it? I'm wearing gloves, so my fingers are a little fatter. A couple of degrees above the horizon. On its way for setting. Neighbor's dog. Young. Young dog. Likes to give out stink whenever we go by with Bonnie. Now... Let's be honest, Bonnie does that too. And she ain't a young dog. Anyway, it's a beautiful evening here. And I do not come down to the Turlock enough. So, uh, two weeks ago, for the first talk show of the new year, I was just too cold and lazy, to be honest with you, to come down here. And then last week, we were uh, getting the tail end of one of those... Many, many North Atlantic storms that are coming our way on a worrying increase in frequency. But today is calm, beautiful, and I have no excuse not to head down there. Sit. 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 Machalin. So, yeah, I was saying that I don't know exactly what I want to talk about today. Um, but that thing I just said there a few minutes ago. About transitions in theater. Hmm. I haven't actually. Hang on, let me get this gate done. Okay, I talked one of the early episodes, I think if you look back, you'll find it, people, no, not the people versus climate change, it's the, 
the piece I'm working on right now. Let's head this way, away from the road. This is still recording. It is. Um, Prelude to the Stars of Winter. So the, the Stars of Winter was the theater piece I was going to make for Galway 2020. Or, you know, as part of Galway 2020. And um, lockdown put an end to that. And I transitioned into making a 360 degree short film called A Prelude to the Stars in Winter which worked as a sort of a prelude or an overture to the to the bigger piece but also in a way kind of like a trailer but it would also stand on its own two feet as its own thing and someday I will make the Stars in Winter maybe but the prelude exists right now kind of like as i was talking on the radio show last week that passengers album original soundtracks one were uh, a collection of different pieces of music that passengers had uh, written for different films some of the films had never actually been made some of the songs were used in film soundtracks like track two always forever now was used in the soundtrack to the michael mann movie heat um but others weren't, and they wrote a uh, made-up blurb for the made-up films and the liner notes. So, in a way, I don't know if the Stars in Winter will ever be made. I have a feeling it might be. The grief I'm feeling, though, about climate change is stalling me from making the Stars in Winter. And discuss that another time. But... The reason I bring that back up is that one of the things I really enjoyed in the making of the 360 short film, in editing the piece, was deciding upon the transitions. Because like I said, the transitions, the thing when you often find the true line, the logic, and the emotional journey of the piece and that's a that's a pleasant thing to do um, but when I think of transitions I also think of devising with an ensemble so the last time I properly devised with an ensemble is well over 10 years ago now. I did a couple of really, really good pieces of theatre with Water Donkey Company, or ensemble that unfortunately is no longer with us, though I like to think it's still on a very long hiatus and the Priscilla is going to get the team back together for some sort of a theatre heist. But anyway, um, Water Donkey. I did two pieces two shows with them that were connected and um, the very best of John Lennon which we put on in um, the studio the town hall studio in the town hall theatre here in Galway um, Studio THT as that space had then been um, relaunched or rebranded 
uh, it's part of a, a program that Russian Stack and a few others had taken on to try and um, facilitate uh, the making of new theatre in Galway and also the building of an audience for it via the studio space in the town hall. It was a great idea um, that did not get the, dis- the support it deserved. But in what is becoming a catchphrase for this uh, podcast that I'm figuring out as I make, let's talk about that another time. Anyway, the very best of John Lennon, directed by Mae Cade. Water Donkey Peace, Water Donkey were very kind to invite me on. I wasn't a member of Water Donkey, and invited me on. The co-device with the rest of the cast, and with, um, with Maeve, in a piece of theatre that was based very loosely on not so much the life of John Lennon, but more so the persona of Lennon as we understood him and as we experienced him all of us who were too young to remember a world in which he uh, lived in. it was uh, it was a quality piece of work another company that as far as I know who were no longer with us who also did uh, in many ways too much for others was Theatre Club was Grace Dias and Shane Byrne, I think. Um, they'd set up this thing along with the Project Art Centre in Dublin called Theatre Machine Turns You On. And they'd, they'd, run it, they'd run it for like three or four years in a row. And um, I don't know. I'd say they just probably ran out of energy doing it. But um, it was this sort of mini festival that ran I think early in the year if I remember correctly in the project and we ran uh, we um, we were invited Water Donkey was invited to play the very best of John Lennon in the project anyway um, in the devising of that piece that was one of those occasions where we were struggling to bring almost like how a band I imagine and from what I've read how a band uh, gets together in a studio and jams and creates a um an album of songs, we had like a selection of scenes and moments that were excellent in their own right, almost like sketches. Not sketches, as in unfinished, but as almost like like a sketch show. Um, but in order for it to, to knit together and for it to become greater than some of its parts, we had to find a true line. And um, we did, I think, and partly, um, that was partly down to us after we were happy with the quality of the scenes and working, and Maeve was particularly good at this, working, working, working the transitions between those scenes. And that created a sort of a, oh, this is going to start sounding a bit wanky, but basically a non-narrative narrative would be a wanky way of putting it. That knitted the thing together. Some cool people in that show. Zeta, my colleague and friend, being one of them. Um, 
And then from that, may have got inspired by um, John Lennon and Yoko Ono's um, beddings, beddings for peace. And uh, and also she got excited and exploring the whole area of Warhol and happenings, artistic happenings and so on. And uh, from that we created a 12-hour uh, durational piece called Happening, which was loosely based on that bedding. And we put that on in the Gresham Hotel, in a hotel room in the Gresham Hotel in Dublin. Unfortunately for me, it was on the same day, and this often happens when you put a show on. This was in the Dublin Fringe. When you put a show on in the Dublin Fringe and you're uh, remotely into Gaelic football, this isn't a problem now because the GA is absolutely made an absolute mess of their calendar. But at the time, uh, you'd have the football in Ireland would play in, what was it, the 1st and 3rd or the 2nd and 4th Sundays in September. Anyway, this brilliant piece of theatre, Water Donkey piece called Happening that I was in, uh, coincided with that um, classic uh, All-Ireland final where uh, Dublin bet Curry Cluxton winning the, um, scoring the winning free. Missed all that. But anyway, as you can tell, I still haven't fully gotten over missing all that. And I think... Though she mightn't agree with me. I think the fact, as we were making this powerful piece of theatre, I think people like Zita and Maeve, I don't think they've fully gotten over how annoyed I was at missing a game of Gaelic football on the telly. So um, that was one of those rare uh, clashes. I might be wrong, maybe they totally got it. But I, um, <laughs> I always got a sense that they were humouring me greatly. Um, anyway, uh, now we're down at the water. Bonnie's just gone in for a dip and a sip. The sun is uh, closer now. It's just one finger between my, between the sun and the horizon. It's heading to set down on the burn, which we can just about see from here. <sighs> yeah. I only wish it wasn't so close to that road. That's the only thing. Okay. So, by the way, I might be cutting this. I know I said this last week and it turned out I rambled on for over an hour. But I might be cutting this one shorter than usual because it's such a beautiful evening. I uh, would like um, to... um, Give my uh, give Ioni a chance to get out for a walk in it, because uh, Mondays are my day to get stuff done and her day to um, be with the kids. And for some reason, of late, the, each Monday comes and it's a beautiful day, and she's more of an outdoor person than me. And I always feel a bit bad about that, but what can you do? Anyway, so happening was this tw- twelve-hour piece. It was actually one hour piece of theatre, interactive theatre which was very gamified that we played on a loop to a new audience and every hour and so uh, the transition in that piece that was vital was that transition between the leaving of one audience and the, the entrance of another um, that was a powerful piece and uh, I think we nailed it um, mostly because Maeve at this stage really knew 
what she wanted uh, and um, and drilled us into devising it a piece until we had reduced it down to its very, very bare basic structure of a handful of games that were looped in the hotel room and then a hidden structure that I uh, told um, there were about five of us in the cast uh, when each of us would move from one game station to the next and all of this was um, ran below the surface and not uh, explained to the audience they just entered a space where you had five people who um, where it all looked chaotic and um, and fun and silly and deep at times but then over the course of an hour you'd start recognising patterns and realising that there was a method to the madness I'm not explaining it very well because uh, I'm realising recently there's a line in um, Sinead O'Connor's autobiography uh, I hope I get this quote right it's something along the lines of um if music could be described in words, then we wouldn't need music. Well, um, if I could describe to you how Water Donkey's happening worked and why it was so uh, successful, then we wouldn't have needed it. Um, so, why am I bringing this up? Why have I gone back to... Uh, what's this now? 2011, I think I'm talking about. September 2011. Would that be right? I think so. Uh, well, yeah, I was talking about transitions. So it's a bit annoying now when I look back at it, and this is, I think, part of the... Well, I don't want to be overly negative on myself, but... Uh, not reflecting enough on what I've done. Uh that's not entirely my fault it's very hard to find the time to reflect when you're making art on a shoestring budget but by not reflecting when it came time to make my own durational piece I made a piece called Art Designed as Priest which was a 24 hour non-stop piece um, where instead of looping every hour this was a piece where the audience could come and go uh, as they chose there was a structure obviously to the piece so it would have wouldn't have worked and I had a uh, a signal uh, signal system set up using my computer that every hour a bell would ring out um, that would tell me that that hour is finished and I would know from having the kind of the, the script which was really a structure a sort of an almost like a data flow chart for the piece in my head I knew if I heard so many bells that it was the start of hour four, let's say, I knew what I needed to go into at the start of hour four. Now, um, uh, I sat down with a friend um, in the, when I was working on this piece, and I was working on this piece without a director, which in itself was a preposterous decision to make, but I at least called in some people who I admired and whose advice I um, I uh, would uh, put value in or I did put value in and one of the people the people I spoke to was uh, the writer uh, Claire Louise Bennett 
And uh, she had me explain the piece as I was building it in my head. And when I got to talking about the transitions, you see, I had made this beautiful recording of a bell ringing. And I'd spent a long time working on the sound of the bell. It had to be automatic um, in my creation piece because I'd be off in another part of the, the space uh, and I, I wanted the, the structure to be outside of me, if that makes sense, and that it would come in automated, but I didn't want it to be any old bell. The bell was important, so I recorded myself um, uh, uh, using um, meditation bowl, and I, I got it to the point where I, I had, had a ding of a bell that was, was clear and beautiful and just what I wanted. And I explained to Claire Louise that the the computer that I'd be working that I'd be using to run this um, um, uh, soundscape, which would include uh, the hours being rang out every hour on the hour, um, that um, um, that it would be run through the um, the Spaces Sound System. Clear says uh, everything you're doing. Clear Louise said everything you're doing is right, but I recommend that you don't ring that bell out loud. You need to come up with another method of marking the hour so you get the information that it is starting now, hour four, wherever it is that you are, without that uh, being telegraphed to the audience. Uh, Therefore, um, the transition that I had outlined and designed in the creation of the piece that uh, that would necessarily be called for at the end of... Um, hour three and going into the start of hour four would uh, would be that just that little bit more mysterious for the audience um, and also she said if for whatever reason I don't want to transition if uh, I get that signal and uh, but I'm in the middle of Create, have, I've, I've, I've created something I've, uh, else in the improvisation that I was using to, to build a piece and had created a, uh, one of those moments of magic that happens in a duration piece with the audience. And then um, rather than change abruptly, I could uh, um, acknowledge in my head that, that it was time to change on to the next hour, but at least allow me to finish the piece or the, or the moment I was in. Or if I was to drop out of it abruptly, I would be doing so consciously myself, at least knowing why I was doing so. So this was brilliant advice, and of course I ignored it, because <laughs> I'm an arrogant idiot. Uh, and so I performed it in a space in Dublin as part of the Dublin Fringe, and the whole thing just didn't really work. But I was lucky in that I knew I was bringing it back to Galway uh, for the Galway Theatre Festival. And uh, I had time to work on it again. And the first decision I made was this time to follow Claire Louise's um, advice and hide that signal and hide the bell. And I came up with a different way where I had uh, a very simple one, uh, a light that um, was was hardly noticeable. God bless um, Michael Halloran who uh, designed and ran the lights for me. 
um, and it was on a on a on a, on a loop of Q, uh, a Q lab, and um, it would just very subtly pulse um, to say, uh, you know, the hour. And unless you were looking for this light, you wouldn't have noticed it. But it gave me the information I needed. Uh, and if you did happen to see it, it was just one of the many things that were going on in the space at the same time. You might necessarily have understood that it meant, um, you know, the changing of the hour. Basically, it was nowhere near as intrusive as the bell system. And it hid the mechanism and the structure of the piece. Uh, just put a little layer of mystery over it. Um, which is what the audience needs sometimes. And what strikes me as doubly frustrating, now that I think of it, is not only did Claire Louise give me that advice that I ignored, um, but I had already learned that, or I should have learned that, from making happening with Water Donkey, because Maeve had understood the same thing too. That the transitions should be something that are completely understood by adults most on stage and be delivered as a mystery to the audience I'd like to say you live and learn but unfortunately I am I am the person who has to be told twice um, at least so transition is a thing and now we're transitioning from winter into spring and that was an um Accidental rhyme. Come back to this with Doc. Come on, money. Come on, pup. Good girl. The swans are beautiful and happy right now. I was going to pause the pod, the recording of this John Rogers talk show for a second just so I could take a photo of this. I was going to say inspiring, but there's no language really to describe it. I'm not a poet. This beauty of a scene in front of me but instead of how about I just shut the hell up and try and experience it words words thinking 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 talking 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 hush breathe easy does it
Easy does it. Breathe easy. Come on, pup. Good girl. Come on. Leave those birds alone. Come on, good girl. Look at this pretty dog. Look at this pretty dog. Claire Louise Bennett, I tell you, she's something. If you have a red pond to get your hands on it, you'll eat it up. I still haven't read past a couple of pages of her new novel, and when I say new, it's what, like two or three years out now? Two at least. Check out 19. I love the two pages I read, but I just want to... I don't know. What's, it's not, I don't want to say what's wrong with me. I don't know why, but I just want to wait. Because Pond was so good. I just want to wait. Um, I don't know why it's going to sound... I don't know how this is going to sound. This is this is the the danger of me figuring things out out loud <laughs> and then publishing it as a bloody podcast. But I feel like I, I'm not open enough for that book because I wasn't open enough for Pond either. It took me a while. I read a bit of it and I step out of it, partly because I was so blown away by how good it was, but also I felt like... Yeah, this is the bit that's going to sound crazy. I didn't... <laughs> it's going to sound so precious and nonsensical, but I didn't feel like I was uh, deserving <laughs> of it. And that's how I feel about... I think that's how I feel about Checkout 19. I don't know. I think that's it. But I'm nearly ready to ease it up, and I will ease it up. Maeve Cage, he's another special one. Maeve. And of course, Sita. Oh, yeah, Claire Louise was in Water Donkey with, with Maeve and Sita and Priscilla and Rose and a bunch of others. That's right, Martin Shari. Martin Sherry is back in the islands, I think. It's a long time since I saw him. Sit. 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 I remember there was a evening sometime 
It might have been like, I don't even know what day of the week it was. I can't remember what month of the year it was. It would have been the first half of 2010. I remember standing on Cross Street. And it might have been with Ionia. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we might have been just starting to go out. And a couple of Mephistos came along. And it was me and Ionia and Ionia's sister. Hang on a sec. I'm going to get the fucking... I'm going to get the lead on the dog when I'm wearing gloves. There we go. Sister Mairead. So that's Moonfish. Ionia Mairead. And then a couple of Mephistos came along. I think it was probably Emma O'Grady. Just came along. We were standing outside the pizza place, just beside Yachtons. And a couple of Emma O'Grady and Caroline Lynch from Mephisto came along. And and we we were chatting to them. And then some water donkeys came along. I think it was Sophie. Sophie was definitely there, and it might have been Maeve as well. And then Zita, who at this stage was already uh, moonlighting with Mephisto, so she was a water donkey founding member, but she was moonlighting with Mephisto at this stage. And would then go on to to do a, a pinter play with me, and then would go on and become pretty much full-time member of the Moonfish Ensemble. But there we were in Cross Street. You know, we were all going in different directions. We just kind of bumped into each other. And we stood and we chatted. And then we moved on. It was probably trips and after Ionia somewhere. And it struck me. I was like... And I thought to myself... You know, is this the sort of thing... We'll talk about in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time as a night when if you were standing on Cross Street you could bump into members of not one, not two, but three. And there might even have been a couple of... I'm not joking. I think there might have been a Fregoli knocking about as well, Maria or Shane. So up to four of the young, new theatre companies and sawmills and makers in Galway City. It was buzzing there for a few years. A lot of that was down, I think, to Adrian Fraser, DMA and NUIG and people like Max Hafler and Thomas Conway who demanded these guys demanded the best. Mary Elizabeth as well and Roz. They demanded they demanded the best. They demanded that we be an artist, truth be told. I'm not doing this nostalgia kick for sentimental reasons. Fuck sentimentality. It's poison. 
So, it's nostalgia. But I really did wonder for a moment there, that buzz in that moment, that somebody might look back and go, like, I don't know, you walk into a club in New York at a certain year in the, what, late 70s, and you bump into television and talking heads and blonde you know like there was a scene and there was a vibe on that scene in this small city on the edge of the Atlantic in Galway there was this there was a moment there a vitality and of all those moonfish and frigoli are the only ones that, that are still uh, still alive to some extent or purposes and there were other companies around the country as well. I mentioned Theatre Club, and they're no longer with us as far as I know. Mephisto is gone as far as I know. I can't, I, I imagine it's gone. Water Donkey's gone. And lots more besides. And even of the ensembles that left, there were very few of them actually living in Galway City. Still making theatre. So what the hell happened? What the fuck happened? Because the work that was being made, my God, it was, it was, it was good. Water Donkey making shows like, um, Pigeon Racing, Advanced Techniques, I can commend that one because I wasn't in it. Love Song was another one. Mephisto was my entry into the Galway theatre world. I was in a show called Distance. Mephisto. Oh, Mephisto. I'll never forget the excitement of the night when they had the... Um, oh, hell. The Honey Spike, yeah. In the Town Hall Theatre. On the main stage. And that place was packed Moonfish after the end okay I can't say too much about that because I was in it I will talk about that another time if I get the permission from a certain important person but they had Novish and Fobel Secret Garden Pinocchio and then that culminated in their triumphs with Star of the Sea and Redemption Falls For goalie making work that you'd want to see that Shane was writing. Maria was directing, I think. And then Jarla took over from Shane as their writer. In many ways, the hardest working crew in show business. You know, what the fuck happened? Russian Stack. Hey, Russian's still making work, you know. She was part of that scene as well. And me, where do I fit in, in into this? And why am I not reading Checkout 19? And why the fuck am I not making art 
faster than I am making it right now, which is just about hanging on in life support. I have a suspicion as to why I struggle with these things. And the reality is I'm not comfortable sharing it too much. I I, kind of touched on this a few weeks ago, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to get into much of this with you yet, if ever. Okay, this is an odd one. It's an odd place to leave it, but uh, as an artist, I remain stuck. I don't know how to get out of it. So fingers crossed I get out of it. The John Rogers Radio Show will be back Friday morning at 10 a.m. This uh, pod will go out tonight on johnrogersshow.com at 8 p.m. And then it will be available for podcasts wherever you hear your podcasts. Apart from, as we all know, Apple Podcasts, which still isn't working. See you guys Friday morning. Thanks for listening.